0: hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt causing anal itching and burning and irritation get fast relief with all natural doctor develop and tested anacool by anacool a-n-a-c-o-o-l on amazon right now and save 15 percent with code wabc 2024
1: richard nixon well i'm not a crook ronald reagan tear down this wall george w bush i can Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level, Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on
0: 77 WABC.
1: This is The Roger Stone Show here on WABC Radio, 770 on your AM dial. You can tune in anytime also if you are outside the greater New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area where I grew up, by going to WABCRadio.com. We are streaming worldwide. Now, I'm a man who kind of like President Donald Trump. I love a good hamburger. Uh, and... Uh, a good hamburger, a great hamburger, the best American hamburger, not all that easy to find. You see, the hamburger is one of the most popular foods in the world. There's over 50 billion served every year in the United States alone. And although the humble beef patty on a bun is technically not much more than 100 years old, it's, it's part of a greater lineage linking American businessmen, World War II soldiers, German political refugees, medieval traders, uh, and uh, Neolithic farmers. Uh, Now, where does that name come from? Obviously, a hamburger is not made from ham, which would be pork. Uh, Interestingly, spurring an increase uh, of the German immigration to the United States, they brought their food with them. With Germany uh, and with German people coming to the United States, German food, particularly Beer gardens flourished in American cities like New York City. And while butchers offered a wide variety of traditional meat preparations, because Hamburg, Germany, was known as the exporter of high-quality beef, restaurants began offering what they called a hamburger-style chop steak. One of the best hamburgers in New York City can be found at the Beach Cafe, and the restaurateur who runs that fine establishment Dave Goodside joins us on The Roger Stone Show now. Welcome, Dave.
2: Roger, thanks for having me on here. That's quite an intro there. I think you should think about teaching the history of food at one <laughs> well, of the local colleges.
1: Well, a look, lot I, to offer there. Uh, I am I am the lover of a good burger. I used to love to go to uh, P.J. Clark's, uh, where uh, the late Governor U. Carey once stumbled out of that saloon and urinated on a a fire hydrant, and unfortunately a picture was caught by the New York Daily News. You, carry, by the way, a a Democrat, but one of the last great governors of New York State. They used to turn out a pretty good burger. I used to go to J.P. Mellon's, although they more recently have disappointed uh, when I went there. Uh, The 21 Club used to have probably the best, but also one of the most expensive Burgers uh, in New York. It was called the 21 Burger. They are sadly closed, no longer with us. So uh, I really love the Beach Cafe, and I know you have worked very hard to to kind of perfect the ideal, the best American burger in town. Tell us about it.
2: Well, first of all, let me tell you that the, the whole Carry clan used to be quite regulars here uh, at the Beach Cafe back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, so we we got to know them well. And, uh, yeah, the burger really is our best and most popular item. We sell uh, quite a variety of items. We sell chicken and fish. Um, uh, We sell steaks, salads, but the burger, we probably sell 10 times as many burgers as any other item. It's a very specially handled item for us. It's kept in a, a special refrigerator at 32, exactly 32 degrees. It never sees light. It's in airtight bags. And there's a special blend, which I'm going to tell you today, if you promise to not share this with anybody. No, no
1: one other than the millions of people within the uh, sound of our voice will hear this. So go right ahead.
2: Well, if they're fans of Roger Stone, I'm happy to give this out. It's Chuck. Mixed with brisket, short rib, and about 17 to 18% fat. That is the secret. We put a little bit of grass-fed butter in there and the special seasonings cooked on a flat top grill, seared on the outside, recommended to be served medium rare on a very plain Arnold's bun, Arnold's bakery bun. It's simple. It's straight ahead. Doesn't require a lot of training and it comes out perfect every time. That's the key. Freshness, consistency, simplicity. That's how we do it.
1: Now, folks, you can get that burger at 1326 Second Avenue in New York City at the Beach Cafe. Uh, the Beach Cafe is uh, is an old world saloon, as it were. Uh, I've often likened Dave Goodside to Toots Shore. One of the legendary restaurateurs and saloon keepers uh, in New York City. Uh, it is very old world. I mean, we're talking about the blue and white checkered tablecloths. So we're, we're talking about real American fare. Can you get a great Caesar salad? Yes, but uh, the burgers kind of top it all. Dave, what about the bun? I mean, I know you're. you're some people like a potato bun. Uh, the the bun and the, just the right kind of moistness of the bun, to me, is crucially important. W- what do you do about, uh, about the bun?
2: Well, the bun is, as I said, it's an Arnold's Bakery, um, I call it a picnic bun, and we get it from our distributor. But anybody can go into the local supermarket and get this bun. It's not a potato bun, although it's very, very similar in texture and feel and taste. Um, it is a four-inch bun. Not oversized, is what I'm trying to say. And, um, you know, one of the great things about uh, the bun is when you have an item like a burger, you want it to be consistent. And you're going to run out of buns every now and then. So if you can go down to the local store and grab the exact same bun, bring it back in, your customer is still going to have that consistent experience. And uh, anyone who studies marketing... And business will talk about consistency. One of the key reasons that McDonald's has been so successful all over the world, no matter where you walk into a McDonald's, whatever country it is, that burger is exactly the same.
1: Uh, Now, uh, obviously, when you've got a great burger, I I personally prefer, you know, a little lettuce, a little tomato, uh, a little sliced raw onion, not too thick, not too thin. You have uh, kind of uh, honored me. Uh, by offering the stone burger, which includes a perfectly fried egg on top, so I've got to ask you out of curiosity: How are the stone burgers moving there at the Beach Cafe?
2: Well, you know, you know, Roger, you and I have a lot in common. We both come from Fairfield County. You're in Norwalk, I think, I right?
1: Was born in Norwalk, absolutely.
2: Okay, I was raised in Trumbull, Connecticut. So we've we've been aligned quite a bit, and I did come to you and I said, if I was going to make a hamburger and put it on the menu, named after you, what would the ingredients be, how would it be set up? And you said exactly as you just did, beef patty, lettuce, tomato, fried egg on top. We probably sell half of the burgers that go out are Stone burgers. I don't know if the people are uh, know that it's Roger Stone. I don't know if they think it's Sharon Stone. But we sell a lot of Stone Burgers. People love it. It's become a signature item for us. And uh, I don't see it coming off the menu anytime soon.
1: So Dave, uh, now anybody who you know loves a good burger knows that the obvious accompaniment uh, are the fries. I mean, a burger and fries, it's as American as, you know, apple pie and vanilla ice cream. Uh, and a great French fries, almost as hard to find uh, as a great burger, uh, I used to love the french fries at McDonald's. Uh, I don't go there anymore. The quality of the burger if it was ever good, I mean, it was at one time it was tasty Now I don't even find it tasty. Uh, I'm not even sure it's really beef, but that's just my opinion. Uh, tell us how you how you conjure up the perfect french fry.
2: Well, we've had the McDonald's style fry, the string fry for. 40 years. I mean, it's a very popular item, but about, uh, I don't know, six or seven years ago, we introduced what's called the cottage fry, which is a rounded shape, uh, like a thicker potato chip, uh, with ridges. And, um, it's become very popular as well. So we actually have two choices. We've got the cottage fries. We have the string fries We also offer sweet potato fries for people that think they're being a little bit more healthy. I really don't know if the sweet potato fry is actually that much more healthy than, say, the string fries. But um, on an item like that, we do offer a little bit of variety. I think the cottage fries are probably the most popular of those three.
1: In the mid-19th century uh, in the country, preparations of raw beef that had been chopped, chipped, ground, or even scraped were actually a common prescription for digestive issues. It was a New York doctor, James H. Salisbury, who suggested in 1867 that cooked beef patties might be as healthy or healthier uh, than uh, then eating your steak, uh, you know, au natural. And physicians very quickly adopted the so-called Salisbury steak. That's where the name came from. Around the same time, the first popular modern meat grounders, grinders for home use became widely available. Actually, Salisbury himself made a few extra bucks by endorsing one particular meat chopper that he called the American chopper. Dave, where is where do you do this mix? Is it delivered to you pre-ground, or are you doing it right there on site?
2: Well, we get it delivered to us pre-ground. You know, at one point in time, uh, we did experiment with grinding our own meat, uh, thought that that might be something that we could could offer just to to improve the quality or increase the quality. I don't want to say improve because we love the quality uh, but increase the quality by a bit doing it ourselves. but our you know the nice thing about operating in New York City is that you've got the best meat providers in the country here. We've got big meat houses, big big operators. They're able to grind the meat at midnight. It is on your plate by noontime, so there's really no benefit to grinding it ourselves.
1: Uh, and uh, this is a very key point. Uh, ground beef has to be used immediately after it's ground. It has to be served that day. Can never be fro- Can never be frozen. Uh, I can tell you firsthand, the burger at the Beach Cafe is. now Dave did you have to go out and kind of surreptitiously scope out the competition because I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of good burgers in New York City I'm not sure there's any burger as great as the uh, as the uh, the one at the beach cafe but did you have to do a little undercover
2: work well I'm a big fan of um, PJ Clark's JG Mellons Peter Luger's Uh, They all offer a great burger and have for many years, and I have uh, done some investigative work over the years to try to find out who's grinding the meat, who's providing the meat, and I did uh, manage to uh, suss that out uh, seven or eight years ago and did contact uh, one of the meat providers, I said, Look, I love this product that you're giving to these guys. I want the exact same product. Not going to mention the name, but uh, they said, No problem, just order it by that name. So, ever since then, uh, you know, we've been using that same meat. We do add a little bit of our own seasoning to it and a little bit of grass fed butter. But I, I searched around for a few years to find out how I could duplicate. The product that one of my uh, friendly competitors was using, and uh, was fortunate enough to, to, to stumble upon it. So now we do uh, have access to that to that grind and that formula, and uh, we use it uh, as an army on a daily basis. Uh,
1: again, folks, uh, the Beach Cafe, uh, a mecca of the great burger. That's at 1326 Second Avenue in New York City. You're going to want to check that out. What's the cross street, Dave? Second and...
2: On on the corner of 70th, 70, East 70th Street. Uh, There you go. Uh,
1: You definitely want to check that out. Now, I know you were, uh, from a business point of view, you were disadvantaged by the 2nd Avenue subway construction for a number of years. A great civic improvement, but it did obviously cause some dislocation. Uh, But you have more than survived. That's the Good news for everybody in the greater New York area. If you're going into the city, folks, there's no payola involved here, by the way. I don't eat or even drink for free at the at the uh, perfectly reasonably priced Beach Cafe. I just know and love a great burger. Uh, one of my very good friends, who's an athlete, insists that if you can put away uh, three burgers, that the fourth one is free. Is that actually true?
2: Well, actually, it's the Stone Burger. If you eat two Stone Burgers, the third one is free. But you have to eat it at the Beach Cafe. We don't pack it to go. Uh, there is probably going to be a wait for tables, but it's well worth the wait.
1: Uh, let's talk a little bit about libation, because uh, obviously uh, any great saloon keeper understands uh, the necessity of running a good bar. Uh What are New Yorkers drinking now? I mean, when you talk about, uh, uh, first let's talk about the beer. I know you have a selection of beers on tap, but what are people ordering with their burger?
2: Well, you know, you get get a variety, really more beer than, say, uh, uh, wine, I would say. Um, But as far as drinking goes, the Aperol Spritz, um, in general, has become the most popular drink. It's a champagne drink with a little, uh, a little bit of Aperol. And, uh, it's the kind of drink that you can have that's not going to make you wobble too much when you walk out the door. When I first started at the Beach Cafe, I'll never forget, uh, the, the two originators of the Beach Cafe, Tom and Bill White, really uh, two of the most important restaurant operators in the uh, the late half of the 20th century. Um, Bill White told me, he said, look, if you're going to be in this business and you're going to enjoy a drink every now and then try to find something that isn't too full on the alcohol side, stay away from the hard alcohol, have a wine, have a champagne. And it was great advice. I don't really drink all that much here. Uh, I'm on the job. I'm here seven days and seven nights. So, uh, I think I would tell all restaurant tours of people thinking about getting into the business stay away from the hard stuff. It's put many a great restaurant tour out of business. And as far as our customers, you know, we sell a lot of wine, uh, the uh, the drink of the moment again is the Aperol Spritz and um uh, We've always got great beers on tap and bottles. We've got quite a variety. And, and and really, beer is one of those items that people just go across the board from IPAs to Pilsners. And we sell a lot of Guinness. There's really no one beer that's jumping out at the moment, I would say.
1: Now, I can also, also attest to the fact that the Beach Cafe turns out a terrific martini. The exact origins of the martini are unclear. The name may derive from the martini brand of vermouth, dry vermouth, that is commonly used. But another popular theory suggests it may have evolved from a cocktail called the Martinez, served sometime in the early 1860s at the Occidental Hotel in San Francisco, which people frequently took as an evening ferry, uh, from the nearby town of Martinez, California. Alternatively, residents of Martinez say the bartender in their town called uh, the drink the martini, while another source says that it actually originated in the Knickerbocker Hotel, right there in New York City, where there was, yes, a bartender called uh, named Martinez. Uh, is the, have you seen, Dave, a, a rising popularity uh, in the martini? Uh, and uh, is it more gin or is it more vodka?
2: Well, definitely the uh, the martini would be more vodka for us. I do see a, a little bit of gin. I would say it's probably ten to one vodka over gin. I know that you have a special uh, martini recipe that you uh, that the Nixonian uh, martini, which you may want to you know, share that with your with your listeners. Um, and uh, that's that's quite popular, but um, you know we we've always been uh, always sold a lot of martinis. The Beach Cafe is located on the Upper East Side. It's smack dab in the middle of you know some of the most uh, I would say dignified and educated people in the country, and uh, they have been uh, well informed and and introduced to that drink, and uh, it's it's really been uh, something that the, the people are continuing to promote.
1: Yeah, you make a reference uh, to uh, Richard Nixon's personal martini uh, formula, his personal recipe. He lived on the Upper East Side, not so very far from where the Beach Cafe is located, uh, and uh, it goes like this. You... You take a jar of olives, you drain the olive juice, you fill it with water, uh, you replace the cap, you shake it vigorously, you drain the water, then you fill it with uh, dry vermouth, usually martini and Rossi, uh, and you put it in the refrigerator. You obviously have taken two martini glasses, splash them with water, uh, and put them uh, into the freezer, and you take. Your, uh, your martini, your cocktail shaker, which can be either aluminum or it could be sterling silver, uh, and you put in a combination of ice cubes and cracked ice, uh, and then you fill uh, the martini shaker, the cocktail shaker, with your choice of gin or vodka. Now, the gin purists object at this point, the gin purists say that if you're making a gin martini, and you just heard Dave Goodside say that uh, that the preference at uh, at his saloon is 10 to 1, vodka over gin. But if you're making a gin martini, the gin purists say that shaking the gin in a cocktail shaker with ice bruises the gin changing the flavor. I'm not a gin drinker, so I wouldn't know. But those folks suggest a cocktail pitcher uh, and mixing the gin on ice in a pitcher. But I go with the cocktail shaker. I fill it with uh, vodka. Yes, I will admit. I hope they don't arrest me. Yes, I I like Russian vodka. Uh, Russian Standard be my current favorite. But then you shake very, very, very vigorously. Uh, if the outside of the cocktail shark shaker is not so cold that it doesn't slightly kind of freeze-burn your hand, well, then you're not, you're not shaking vigorously enough. You then uh, remove the chilled glass from the freezer. You pour this concoction uh, into the martini glass. Uh, as Nixon himself pointed out to me, if there are not tiny shards of ice on the, on the surface of the martini, Well, then you haven't shaken it vigorously enough. You return to the aforementioned refrigerated jar of olives that are now marinated uh, in dry vermouth. You drop in one or two, and there you have it, the perfect martini, which Richard Nixon referred to as a silver bullet. So when I had the first one, which he mixed for me uh, actually at his townhouse on the Upper East Side of New York, this is prior to his moving to Saddle River, New Jersey. I said, wow, Mr. President, this is really good. And he said, yeah, I got the recipe from Winston Churchill. So, uh, Dave, uh, how did they go about making a martini there at the Beach Cafe?
2: Oh, wow. Now you're putting me on the spot. I'm not a classic, classically trained bartender. You know, my specialty is seeing you at the door and making sure that you get your table, whoever you are. Uh, so I'm I'm not going to pretend to give you the ins and outs of making a martini. I've I've consumed many, but made very few.
1: And uh, let let me say this: I do know what Dave is telling the truth because he is uh, he does kind of serve as uh, the the maître d'. He's not just the owner, but Dave is uh, not by any means an absentee restaurateur. Uh, he is on the scene, checking constantly. For perfection, uh, you can have him ta- move your table. He will make sure you are well accommodated. He will make recommendations uh, on the menu. If you're not a meat eater, and there are some among us who are not, uh, what what do you like? What's the most popular dish for those who don't eat meat? You've got some great fish and seafood selections as well, as I recall.
2: Well, as I said, the burger really is by far and away uh, the biggest selling item, by at least 10 by 10 times. Uh, but if the uh, if you're not a meat eater, then the probably next most popular dish is the pan-roasted salmon, which is something that uh, many restaurants do make a pan-roasted salmon, but the way we make it is a little bit different. Our, our oven cooks from the top down as, as opposed to the heat coming up through the bottom, and this allows us to crisp the top of the salmon so it gets nice and and, and and charred or crispy on the outside and still medium rare on the inside, and um, people swear by this salmon. Uh, and they've you know we have every restaurant around us sell salmon, but people tell us that there's something very different and very special about the way we cook it. It's very simple, uh, just a little olive oil and some lemon, salt and pepper, and that's it. But it's the heat coming from the top down that makes that special. Crust on it. Uh, The Beach
1: Cafe, folks, uh, a very civilized place. Uh, Athletes, uh, politicians, celebrities. It's one of Cindy Adams, the queen of gossip, who's right here on WABC. It's one of her favorite haunts when she goes out. Uh, Dave, you've got to accommodate a lot of different people. Uh, And I know that you went through some tough times because of the subway construction, but now. Uh, if folks go on a Friday or Saturday night, things are pretty busy, are they not?
2: Yes, they are. I mean, you can expect to wait for a table not not too long. But, uh, you know, we've always been a very popular place. When you're in business for over 50 years, you know, that's one of the uh, fortunate byproducts is that people get to know you, uh, not just the neighbors who live upstairs and around the corner, but people come in from uh, out of the Upper East Side, and uh, they're they're. Happy to wait at the bar, enjoy a drink, visit some people, a lot of people that come in, meet other people they don't know because there's a certain like minded thread that runs through the restaurant, and people uh enjoy that part about the the community of meeting people at the bar and um it's It's really a great place it's more than just uh sustenance it's an entertainment experience. You never know who you're going to meet or see at the beach cafe on any given night. I mean, this was a regular spot for a lot of people in, uh, in, in sports, in movies, in theater, in music, in politics. I mean, Arthur Miller used to come here once a week. Frank Sinatra, Liza Minnelli, Dave, the um uh, Mary Tyler Moore used to make it here uh, a lot. Every mayor in the last four decades I've been there that long has been to the beach cafe, um, It's captains of industry. It's the people that work at the post office up the road. I mean, it's really a big mix of people. And we put a premium on just people that uh, are nice to one another and can enjoy a good meal, fair price, a good service. And we just try to turn you on. As Bill and Tom White would always tell me, you got to turn the people on, before they leave that restaurant, and that's
1: how we do it. Well, folks, uh, uh, the the great burger, the Stone Burger, but all the burgers at the Beach Cafe are a constant. Uh, at a time that the 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 really famous and classic Waldorf Astoria remains boarded up, uh, the Twenty One Club is no more. Some of the great red sauce. Joints, some of the greatest Italian restaurants in New York, now gone, now a distant memory. Uh, the Beach Cafe and the Burger there uh, is uh, is a standard. Uh, it is the old reliable. Dave, I final question. I know a, a lot of people have told you that maybe it's time to quit New York. Maybe you should close up up there and move down here to Florida, maybe West Palm Beach. But because of your dedication to the city. And your dedication to the beach, as the aficionados call it, uh, you're sticking it out in New York. Uh, why not open a, you know, another outpost here in South Florida so I could enjoy uh, a stone burger now and then?
2: Well, I get a lot of offers from people down south, especially in Florida, West Palm Beach and Palm Beach area, saying to bring the operation down, bring the model, let's copy it. But I love New York. You know, New York is the the greatest big city in the world, and, uh, you know, we've we've gone through some tough times. Uh, certainly there are challenges happening at this very moment, but I believe in New York. I do not believe in the multiple restaurant concept. I mean, it works for some people, but what we do is very hands-on. It's very personal, and I think that uh, you can't put yourself in two places at one time, so... Uh, I'm technology can clone me, I'm staying in New York. All
1: right, folks, that's Dave Goodside, the last of the old-time saloon keepers in the tradition of Toots Shore, joining us for a discussion of the history and search of the great American hamburger. Thank you, Dave Goodside, for joining us on The Roger Stone Show.
2: Roger, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure always to, to talk with you and an honor to be on the show Call me anytime. Looking forward to seeing you up here in New York soon.
1: Many thanks. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is WABC Radio. We are uh, the uh, the station that is making AM radio great again. You can find us at 770 on the AM dial. Uh, or if you don't live in the greater New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, you can always find us at WABCradio.com where we're streaming Worldwide. So right now, go to your cell phone and either text or call one of your friends, someone in your family, someone in your circle of acquaintances, uh, and tell them to tune in to The Roger Stone Show right here at WABC Radio.